Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Mikey Stafford here. Hope everybody is well. Gathered together some fine football minds this week. We have Kevin McStay of Mayo, Kieran Whelan of Dublin, and uh, Rory O'Neill of uh, Neutral Territory to uh, yeah, preview the All Ireland football semi final singular because obviously we're a game down. Uh, Tyrone v Kerry has been kicked kicked down the alley for six days. Whether that's long enough or not, we'll get into now in a minute. Anyway. How is everybody, lads? Are we well? Very good, Mike. Not about it. Not about it. Good stuff. Good stuff. So look, we 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 we'd kind of got lucky here, really, hadn't we? The championship had kind of been crammed into a fairly uh, specific, narrow bit of calendar, uh, Willow, and um, outside crammed. From... Crammed is a good crammed is a good word, Mikey. <laughs> and outside from you know a few players missing here or there, including Tyrone players for the for the Ulster final and. The uh, under twenty hurling final having to be moved as well. We got away relatively unscathed, uh, but now you know the second biggest game of the year has fallen foul. And if you listen to the Tyrone County Board in on the RT website and most of the newspapers today, there's a chance they won't be ready for next Saturday either. So this is this is a real test, isn't it, Wheelo, for the GA planning department? Yeah, big time, Mikey. And I suppose, like, listen, if we if we be honest about it, we've had a dull enough championship to date really that hasn't really sparked to life and you were probably looking forward to uh, these two games this weekend this was one weekend in the football GA calendar where you, you might have got a bit of spice or a bit of controversy or something would have blown up because you have Dublin Mayo come together who detest each other and you've got an old tradition there of Kerry and Tyrone even going back to the noughties and what they bring to the table so listen it's unfortunate for from a Tyrone perspective um, you know you, you, you look at last year and you kind of say you know, this time last year, there was no football being played and we still managed to squeeze you know, at the latter end of the year. Um, so, you, you know, at the start of this year, when the GA sat down and tried to squeeze, you know, a championship in uh, during the summer with no backdoor, which was, which I think has been one of the saddest things about this year's championship to see teams, you know, having been in lockdown for the best part of two years to play half a league, uh, to play one championship match and then exit. Uh, you know, it's it's totally you, you got to think from the player's perspective, you know, the effort, uh, the commitment that goes into that, and and it really has probably stopped the progression of some teams, uh, that would have got a run in the qualifiers. So, that was the first thing, I suppose, that was unfortunate from a footballing perspective. There was no backdoor, there was no second chance. Um, and I suppose you got to wonder why did all Ireland have to be so early, you know, still probably had a few months at the back end of the year to get the club championship. It is a difficult year, it is different for everyone. Uh, so when they decided that Intercounty goes first, um, maybe there should have been a couple of more weeks. And I know the club players will look upon that and say, well, listen, we've been waiting around for the whole year and we've been squeezed and we've been trained and we've had up constructive and all that sort of stuff. And there were the arguments at the start of the year, could you have gone club first? But this is what's happened. I suppose we got away with it up to now. Uh, you got a fear for Tyrone. You know, fair play to them that they stood up to the plate against Monaghan and played against with four lads missing. But obviously, it's detrimental to their squad and their ability to field. And it looks like their ability to field the following week is, is, in, is in doubt as well. So uh, the questions have to be asked, will it be pushed back a further further uh, week? Because 
we do want a semi-final. You do want that game to go ahead. Um, Kerry's stroll into a final would just be, you know, counterproductive. It would, yeah. And Kev, you'd have to think that Tyrone make a fairly a fairly strong case. Um, I jokingly described it as uh, not saber rattling, but ventilator rattling earlier today. When you know, obviously they they have they have their case to make. Fair enough. But like they're right in saying that you know the GA saying a hard no that they don't want to move the date of the football final. If the winners of Saturday's match get a few cases between now and the All Ireland football final, there'll be no question the All Ireland football final will be pushed back further into September. Like it's very like. I think the GA are being optimistic, shall we say, and saying, okay, we can get this game played, we can keep our da- our final dates, we can keep our inter-county club calendar as it stands. But they're at the mercy of a virus here that, you know, is no longer causing havoc to the health of the nation, shall we say, but the case numbers are through the roof. And you can't say that, you know, one of the other three remaining panels in the All-Ireland aren't going to fall foul of it, or the hurling final. Yeah, it, it, like it's an, act, it's an act of God, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Uh, the insurance companies would would call it, and uh, it was always possible. We just figured out in our mind we we perhaps got a bit complacent and had a sense that this was all going to work out just grand, as Paddy tends to tends to conclude in, in these serious matters. Um, but what's really interesting, and I think what you're saying there in in your introduction to the question is the the club calendar is critical until it's not critical. <laughs> that's a, that's a classic uh, planning position. Um, for for the guy, but they, they they have a they have a dilemma now because uh, Charon have the strong position in all this, and, and it's a strong natural position because yep. it's it's a, it's a pandemic, um, and Kieran is right the the, the semi finals have to go ahead, <laughs> ergo the final will have to go ahead, and when that gets done, whether it's the eleventh of September or the sixteenth or further into September, it's going to get done. I'm kind of looking at it now from in terms of the other teams left in the competition who at the moment are clear of the virus. But that could change any minute. I know Mayo had to brush with this. I think it was for the Sligo semi-final. Leitrim, thanks. Leitrim game, the, yeah. For the, yeah, the, yeah Leitrim was the semi-final. Um, Dublin, uh, Dublin Kevin had a brush with it after the All-Ireland final last year, so they're probably most likely all had it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite, and, and also, we don't know the numbers. Like, I don't think any management is going to tell you how many have contracted the virus, how many are in isolation, etc. Because you know you don't want to blow blow the thing upside down altogether. So, you know, I have obviously natural sympathy for the Tyrone position. Um, uh, you, you just don't want anybody to, to 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 have the virus. But it's a big issue now because in terms of preparation, like Terry's preparations now are upside down because they were planning gung-ho for uh, for Sunday. It's now gone to Saturday a week. And as they're going into training these nights, now they're thinking, well, it could be another week. And, we're going to get, I, I, and Kev, you can't get challenge matches because everybody everybody is yeah. out to the championship. No, everybody's out to the competition. He's A versus big games better be as ferocious as Legends. <laughs> yeah. Rory, Rory, I... I I don't have to have sympathy for you TV folk, you know, that oh. thing. You're, you're the superstars in the sports department and, you know, you get everything you want and the rest is just the grunts. But uh, I have to say, I'm almost beginning to feel sympathy for you. Last no, week, you no. had to fill in for half an hour because of bales of hay on the oh, M7. And now you have, you've lost a match. So uh, this weekend, so you're not having, you're not having an easy run into the end of the championship. 
No, no. And look, and look, losing the game isn't so much as the, isn't so much the problem. The problem is the refixing of the game further down the line. You've got most of the weekends boxed off, whether there be from a scheduling perspective, whether it's Camogie, whether it's uh, the women's football finals and semifinals, whether Ireland are, playing World, Ireland are playing World Cup qualifiers, there's the Paralympics coming. This is really difficult, and this is what happens when you're so beholden as well to Saturdays and Sundays, and you can only fix your games for those two days. But I do think, to go back to Echo, I think I have a lot of sympathy for the GA on this. I think they were trying. They went into it with the best of intentions to try and get this thing played off as quickly as possible, to try and give as much back to the club as well. Unfortunately, it's a case of best laid plans. And the, the reality is, I would suggest unfortunately from the GA's perspective is Tyrone really do hold the whip hand here um, if Tyrone decide that they can't play this game on the 21st of August what are the GA going to do then are they going to throw them out are they going to declare the game null and void I would suggest no chance of that happening whatsoever especially given the nature of how the provincial championships played out and the fact that you're hoping that the two semifinals and finals would bookend and give us something positive from a football championship perspective to finish off the year. So I just don't see that happening. And I would be of a strong inclination now that this is going to delay again by another week. Yeah. I think, Mike, you got to look at it from, like, if you're in that Tyrone camp since that Monon game, like, they probably haven't met up. Uh, they've been on Zoom calls, probably done a bit of analysis with the Monon game. Uh, where they can improve, that sort of stuff. They probably collectively, I would doubt, have met up since that game um, and won't uh, for the foreseeable future. So it's 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 hugely challenging for them as a group, even if the fixture does go ahead, massively challenging to be prepared and be ready prepared. And they're coming up and again. before you take in the physical yeah. aspect yeah, of it as absolutely. well, if they've got yeah. a bad dose. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so there's so many uh, things going against them, really, um, that it's, it's going to be regardless of when the game is played, it's going to be a significant challenge for Tyrone to bounce back from this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a complete mess, Kev. And you actually, Kev, were telling us you have some experience of a situation a little bit like this, which actually involved Tyrone back in the times of foot and mouth in the start of the century. Yeah, the, the 2001 All-Ireland Under-21 final. And again, another act of God, the, the, the foot and mouth. And it was particularly bad up north, particularly bad for Tyrone. Um, uh, our team, uh, Mayo, had qualified for the final in late April of 2001. And our opponents uh, were to be Cork or, or Tyrone. The, the other semi-final, which was Tyrone were thrown out, it was now Cork-Mayo final. And then the lobbying began. Uh, and again, you would have sympathy for the position as, you know, it was an act of God. Young lads missing out on a big day, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, the upshot of it was that the final was cancelled at the end of April and rescheduled for late October, six, seven months later. I did a tour of, of Lebanon in the interim. Uh, the team was disbanded, uh, the Mayo team, and we came together for a few weeks then prior to that final in October. So the, these are the challenges. This is, this is what can happen. Um, I don't see that happening the senior championship, of course. I see what Rory is saying as the more uh, reasonable uh, outcome, that they just kick it down, kick it down the road until people are healthy. Um, and you made a good observation there, which is very true, that again, Paddy doesn't tend to consider that the COVID uh, can be very debilitating. It's not just that the 10 days are up and we're back out in the field running around the place. You could, you know, the 10 days might be up and you might be fit to walk out the front door. 
Mm-hmm. So it is, Kieran. Kieran is right. It's hugely challenging for Tyrone. It's kind of challenging for Kerry because they don't know what date is in front of them. Yeah, well, you, you, you'd rather be in Kerry's uh, shoes. Yes, of obviously. course. Yeah. The, the other, like, we're going back to your point, Rory, when I the game will go ahead, but could Tyrone withdraw? Could they withdraw mm-hmm. from the challenge? Could, yeah. They, they could, I suppose. Yeah, they could withdraw. I mean, they, they, that would probably, that's brinksmanship, though. I think you're probably at a stage. No, they, they may have to withdraw just purely on the grounds of health and safety, and that the players just aren't fit and well enough to actually physically play the game. That's absolutely a reason to withdraw. And then I suppose, you know, I suppose Kerry just progress on to the All Ireland final. I think the big thing, right? And again, I am speaking from a slightly selfish point of view here, but I think in fairness to the other teams as well, I I think a decision needs to be made a little more quickly now. You know, I think we need to know exactly what Tyrone's status is, whether or not they're prepared to fulfil this fixture on the 21st. There's mixed messages coming out. Oh, we may or we may not be able to. Can you play the game on the 21st? Yes or no? No. Okay, we'll give you another week. Can you play it then? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, and then move on. But I think, you know, the, this, this sort of limbo scenario that broadcasters, schedulers, people's plans, Dublin, Mayo, Kerry, all those other teams... I think they at least deserve to know as, as best as possible. And I understand it's a very fluid and a very difficult situation, but we should look to try and gain clarity as quickly as we can. Well, my, my understanding, just to add a little bit more to that, and I was, I was chatting to a few guys yesterday, um, and my understanding is that uh, in conjunction with GAHQ or at the insistence of GAHQ, um, everybody in the bubble in the squad management back room etc were to, uh, had to be tested so you uh, and and as you know the, those results were expected on monday and they would you know, the, the statement they issued was didn't go into fine detail but g the ga will know exactly how many of the 47 members of the bubble have contracted covid they will of course they will uh, but that would be confidential information so they, they will have the data on which you know, they're saying, okay, Monday, we now we know X amount, and we're hearing serious double digits. Um, and then they will add on the recovery period, which essentially is 10 days to 14 days. I'm, I don't know the fine detail on it, but it's, and of course, in another jurisdiction, which is slightly... It's another um, complication. Yeah. Another complication. And uh, so that's why next Saturday, uh, Saturday week, excuse me, the, the, the reschedule, Optimistic. It's right. It's right on the edge of of of, yeah. of, of, of but it's very optimistic, Rory. Very it might optimistic. Be, by public health standards, it might be fine. They are free to leave their houses and play the yes. match. But that's yeah. that's that's like the first step of well, you guys were the yeah. intercounty footballers being able to leave yeah. the house and being able to play an intercounty All Ireland football semi final are two very different things, Kieran. And you just can't imagine if you compare the preparation Toronto are doing right now, which is zero you imagine, to what Kerry are doing, even if they're tapering back, they're having team meetings, they're going through tactics, they're having uh, kickabouts, they're having A versus B games, like, they're preparing, they have an extra week now, and, like, they have a great backroom team, and they will be absolutely keyed up and prepared and ready for Saturday week, and they'll be at their absolute peak level, you would imagine, whereas whereas Tyrone, some of that's going to be sipping lemon on the bus on the way down. (laughs) Yeah, like that's but well, that's it, Mike. That's the whole three weeks ago. 
you know, Toronto going into an Ulster final, probably, you know, under new management with a great momentum behind them, having beaten Donegal, you know, they come out to win an Ulster title, probably a free shot at Kerry, where they like to be, you know, going into Crow Park uh, to, to spring a surprise on Kerry or rattle them at least. And, and a lot of people believe, okay, they may not be at the level where Kerry are at, but that they have that, they always have that in their locker that they can pull it up to them. They always have. Now, you know, I'm sure mentally, you know, physically, you know, if you're a Tyrone player this week, you know, where, where do you go? Where do you go? Because you have so many challenges, no preparation done, not healthy, not fit. So mentally they're smashed as well as everything else. So, you know, how they can be expected to bounce back from this is, 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 is going to be challenging unless they get the required time to, to do that. So, and that's, that's why you just wonder, could, you know, I just saw the chairman speaking last night, you know, you're right, Roy, you need clarity, but you just wonder, what, do they collectively get to a point where they say, well, we withdraw, um, and, and is that a possibility? But you'd like to hope that they're given time to get back, to get some level of preparation. Uh, but, like, they're coming into the lines then against a the team that's, as you said, Mike... You know, Mike, who's coming, who's coming with a bit, you know, who coming big time. Uh, so, it's a, listen, it's a, you, you'd have huge empty with them. It's a tough challenge for them at, at the moment. Yeah. Okay, well, um, we'll have to see how that develops. We're recording on a on a Tuesday afternoon, by the way, and this podcast will be out Wednesday. So if all our views and opinions are horrifically out of date by the time you listen to this, it's the fault of time and time passes. That's all. It, it could be out of date in five, in 10 minutes time. <laughs> the, way the, situa- so, the way the situation is evolving. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on to uh, the game that is going ahead, which is that between the Leinster champions, Dublin, and the Connacht champions, Mayo. Um, Kev, this this is the, the the Mayo fatalism is is well and truly kicked into if not fifth gear, it's at least in fourth gear. I have I used to live and work in Mayo, so I have a lot, I have a lot of friends there, and I'm, I'm hearing the same thing from a lot of them. I just, I, every chance will beat the Dubs, every chance will beat the Dubs, but we won't bloody beat Kerry. So <laughs> Mayo are ready to down the dynastic Dubs. They're going to end this reign, and then they're going to lose to a team that couldn't beat Cork ten months ago. I, I'm quite okay with the idea that they might beat Dublin at long, long last, and then lose the All Ireland again. Yeah, it is. It's. I'm, I'm on holiday there, lads. Down in. I'm down in Ballina. I'm in my mother's place for this recording, and uh, so I'm. I'm up and down the town and drinking coffees and having a beer here and there. So you're getting a sense of it. Um, and I would say the mood is in Mayo this week is that they will travel as they always do in their numbers. And I think I said to you, Mikey, off air, not without hope. I, you know, that would be the position, I think. Um, really up against it. Um, and no matter what way, and I was trying to do that today in the paper, like what way you analyze it, it's hard to convince yourself. I, the Mayo gang can convince themselves that Dublin have slipped. But like not much. I came across one that I'm going to share with you, which is interesting in, in one of the local papers. We're talking about uh, the 2020 final and uh, and the Leinster final, the recent Leinster final. So Dublin had 11 of the same uh, starters in against Kildare that they had against uh, Mayo in the 2020 final. So they were missing, the four that they were missing was Cluxton, Merchant, Robbie McDade and Sean Bugler. Have I pr- pronounced him right? Bugler, uh, yeah. Yeah, Bugler. Uh, and the replacements for those four in the Leinster final were Evan Comerford, Sean McMahon, Brian Howard, and Cormac Costello and marching come on as a sub. So like, crisis, the, the, whoever wrote the little piece at crisis, what crisis? 
Um, and yet there is a sense, I think, among all of us, and, and, and I don't think we're, you know, searching for a, a needle in a haystack. There is a sense that Dublin are, to me anyway, looking in over the ditch. I don't see the same aura or invincibility around, now, in a couple of days' time, you might say, Jesus, they're right back in it now, lads. It's game on again for, for another title. But at the moment, and I, and I was trying to uh, reduce it down to possibly the transfer of management. You know, Jim gave off a certain um, calmness and um, that I know what's going on here. This will all work out. His team were massively experienced. Uh, you know, uh, Stephen Cluxton was there. He was the annual figurehead that drove the whole thing on. And they're all gone out of the equation now. And what's replaced them are no doubt... Desi's an excellent manager. Evan Comerford is a, a, an, ex, an absolutely excellent goalkeeper. But it hasn't the same already. You're just not going into Crow Park in the bus thinking, Jesus, this could end up 20 points again here if these players get a run on you. There's no sense of that. Now, that may be wrong. That may be shown to be very wrong on Sunday or on Saturday night. But if you look at their Leinster campaign, they're not scoring as much. They're not winning by as much. They're top, top players that we've loved and watched and just can't believe how good they've been over the years. John McCarthy, Brian Fenton, um, Conor Callahan, etc. They are not, and I was posing this question today, how come they haven't established their form against teams in Leinster that were demonstrably in much inferior to Dublin? And so that has to be a bit of a worry. And can you switch it on? And I, of course, the whole of Mayo is, is, is hoping that my narrative there now is exactly the way it is, that in fact you cannot switch it on and, and find your form 24 hours before the big day. But, yeah. you know, I think every time we've tried, tried to convince ourselves that Dublin might be in a bit of a dodge position, they come back and knock you, knock you for six. Yeah, the, they, 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 have, they have many weapons in their arsenal and if, if a couple are, as you say, have gone by the wayside, there's plenty more. Wheelo, it's an All-Ireland semi-final, so I'm obviously going to reference Dublin's opening game against Wexford because it's it's very relevant here. Um, <laughs> but um, one thing Wexford did that everybody praised them for, and which is something that Mayo will do, but Mayo will also um, have more attacking prowess, more footballers around the middle, more everything than Wexford, let's be brutally honest. Wexford got in Dublin's face and by all accounts made things very, very uncomfortable for them, were very physical, were um, just not nice to play against they got it's kind in. of been Mayo's calling card for a long time and I do wonder if the loss of certain players and maybe the loss of Jim Gavin was that just an opening round kind of um, lack of aggression or, or fire from Dublin or have they kind of lost some of their own ability to deal with a team that comes with that Wexford slash Mayo aggression yeah it's, it's a difficult one Mike because I'd agree with Kevin and he's talking about an aura and sense and you know but how do you how do you measure a sense in a certain degree it's very very hard to, to pinpoint and we all kind of have that sense and we look at that first day against Wexford and particularly the first 20 minutes I remember I was sitting here watching and I was kind of going geez Dublin are just not at it and, and, and you're kind of thinking well they might have just underestimated Wexford and fair play Wexford got stuck into them and aggravated them and got under their skin and annoyed them and and you know then you look at the mid day and Dublin first half cruise control and you're thinking yeah they're going to just kick on here and tuck their eye off the ball they don't know it's concentration levels and then me obviously get a run on them 
but Dublin are still there to close the game out. Clare game, you know, a little bit better, but not in no way clinical uh, like they kind of used to. So that's all feeding into, I suppose, the sense. And you look at everything Mayo have done in the, in the interim, and you look at, you know, some of the new players that they introduced last year have probably got better. Uh, yes, they've lost Clark and Barrett and they've lost Keane O'Connor, but you feel that Mayo are improving and still on an upward curve and extremely fit and have a lot of credentials coming into the match. But you go back and you look then at the All-Ireland final, which was only, you know, eight, nine months ago, mm -hmm. and the personnel on the pitch will be, you know, largely the same. Both, both teams will be missing one or two. Um and you look at that and you look at the whole psychological battle between these two teams and the rivalry. Um, if you could say probably the hate that's there between them, you know, like I, I equated to kind of Dublin and Mead in the 90s to a certain degree. It's a brilliant rivalry and that's why you really look forward to these games. But you expect that Mayo will give, Dublin will, will up it for Mayo. You have to, you have to expect that. Um, and while you talk about getting under their skin, it's, it's still... The same challenges are still there for Mayo to overcome. We know the fitness, the power, the running game they bring. We know they up, they can flood midfield. They won a lot of ball in the first half last year. Um, we know that they're the ones that can turn over Dublin, put pressure on them out the field. Horan plays with a brave, brave game plan. Um, but the big question mark is whether they can do that for the 70 minutes. Um, and Dublin are the masters at taking the tempo out of a game, controlling the tempo the last quarter last year uh, and changing, breaking it down. And like even, even last year's fine, I think, I, you know, I know Kevin, you, you've done co-common, but I think Mayo might have only scored a point for playing the second half. Dublin just all mm. of a sudden started to track those runners. They were brilliant and cutting off the Mayo guy coming on the shoulder or, or trying to break that gain line and get into those scoring channels. So you got to think Dublin still have that in their locker. And, and and you also feel that Mayo are on an upward curve. So it makes for it makes for an intriguing battle in my view. Like biggest thing you look at from a Mayo perspective is park the Sligo game and, and the Leitrim game. They concede an average of two goals a game and have been all last year and through the league this year. So Everyone says Horan will come and he'd be brave and he'd play front foot football. And that's really what Mayo want to do. And that brings out the best of them. But if you're giving Dublin two goals, you know, Dublin are going to get 14 points at least. You know what I mean? Which means you have to be 20 points plus to beat them. Uh, and and just to, to throw in one there, Wheelo, again from my local newspaper man, Mayo, excuse me, have never scored in the history of championship games. And uh, that's come back a bit now against Dublin. They've never scored more than one goal. Right. Never. So when you look at those facts, you're kind of going, you know, they, yes, there's a lot of optimism there and they can, like they've traditionally shown they can do it for a certain amount of period, but it's that, I think it's the second half performance from Mayo is going to be crucial. And, and the other thing, like even, even going into that, you can't let Dublin get ahead of you. Dublin get ahead. Dublin get into a four, five, six-point lead. They'll just control the whole tempo, and, and they're very, very good at that. So, um, I just, I, I, I would, I would have two, three weeks ago, Mikey. I would, I was kind of when I looked at Mayo against Galway, and I was thinking, yeah, they're really, really on that upper curve. And I was probably looking at Dublin, saying, yeah, there is that sense. There is 
definitely is that sense. And it's like Kevin says, I think that's going to be the hope for Mayo coming in that Dublin don't return to themselves because if they do and they bring out the best, it's like they still have, they might not have the same depth, but in terms of personnel, in terms of 15 on the field, um, you know, they're still going to be very, very strong. And I, I think the impact, I think the impact subs is fascinating from both, both sides. Do Mayo need to hold something back as well? Can they afford to hold somebody back? You know, yeah. the impact their subs made against Galway was massive as well, you know. So it's intriguing from a tactical perspective. Rory, um, it's obviously because of the nature of his departure, um, whatever we're calling Stephen Cluxon at the moment, I guess we can say he's departed. He's not going to play this year. Do not focus on that. There's been a change in goalkeeper for Mayo as well, and I'm interested kind of how that how that's been perceived because obviously Rob Henley was in and out with Clark, but we're talking about Mayo conceding two goals. I don't think I've seen a better shot stopper than David Clark in the last twenty years in Gaelic football goalkeeping. And um I speak as a junior B Gaelic football goalkeeper of some renown. Um so <laughs> I, I don't think there has been a better one than him. Rob Henley has that, a better kick out than considered. The, the one thing I'd say about David Clark and, and his shot stopping abilities is he got lots of practice. he got got a lot of practice like I think Cluxton actually was a fantastic shot stopper but we just didn't really see it all that often because it was very hard to break him open but sorry I'm sorry Mikey no I was just I I just wondering what your assessment was of how Rob Henley's kind of second third fourth coming as Mayo senior goalkeeper is I don't know what you call it now because he's been there or thereabouts for so long and he's obviously fantastically talented and um tremendous mental strength shall we say to come back from a couple of issues that he, he had obviously against Dublin um how he's been his restarts are probably better than Clark's would be yeah. one plus point yeah big time he is very like in fairness to him I think he has well he certainly had a very good relationship with when the two O'Shea's were there um and he obviously has a good reading for them because I think they're the same club aren't they Kevin Brafie, they're both yeah. Bra- Brafie aren't they uh, well, the Matt, O'Shea's Matt, Matt and, and Robbie and, Matt, and Matthew Ruan is he Brafie as well so yeah. yeah like so that'll give you an indication of the importance of the restarts like in terms of shot stop and I suppose yeah just to go back to um the points about Mayo's earlier championship um, championship matches in terms of like, I mean, we, we didn't really learn much from the Sligo Leitrim games. Mm. Obviously, they got a really good test against Galway, but um, it's no, yeah. his numbers, his numbers against Galway were excellent. Excellent, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, don't, I, I think for, I think goalkeeping wise for both goalkeepers, I think Evan Comerford has been excellent as well. So I don't think either team will have to worry there. I just, I think it's going to be very close for me because I just think the first thing I say you and I spoke about this before we look I love James Horan right I just think this guy is like the way he has more or less regenerated that team away from the spotlight I think they were helped to a large extent by being in division two this year because he was able to blood a lot of young lads and give lads a lot of game time where there wasn't a huge amount of pressure and they still got out of that division and they still uh, came back up to division one. Um, I just thought the energy that they have now in their defence, which your man Padraig O'Hora and Oshin Mullen, who effectively have more or less taken over the leadership roles in that back six from the likes of Lee Keegan, Donny Vaughan and Colin Boyle. Um, I think they have a very solid midfield. 
Will they score enough at the other end? We're going to really find out a lot about Ryan O'Donoghue, I think, this weekend. You know, he is going to have his work cut out. And then the other big question from a Mayo perspective is what do you do with Aidan O'Shea? For me, and I remember Kevin once upon a time when he, we were sat there, I think it was before the 2017 All-Ireland Football Final, and it was just you and I, Kev, sat over in VTR here in RT. And the two of us sat down and we were talking about Aidan O'Shea and you said... 14 or nowhere and I still and I still and I think that's never more apparent no I think I just don't know has he got like I mean look he's a lot of football player I think that's the issue that's the biggest issue that he's got and I think in terms of just giving their sort of their attack a bit of a focal point and allowing that direct ball every now and again like they can't they look they're in unbelievable physical condition and they will be able to run it and I don't think Dublin are as good as they were certainly like I mean I was watching the 20 the 15 6 like the amazing thing is I'm we're getting one of the lads to put a VT together on it 15 16 17 Dublin and Mayo played each other in five championship matches, uh, three final, uh, it was a replayed semi-final and then a replayed final and then a final. So three finals and two semi-finals. It's extraordinary now. And there was three points, or three points separating them at the end of it all. It's, it's just incredible. What a, what a, and, it, and I know some people say, oh, it wasn't a rivalry because the other team has to win. Bullshit. It was a rivalry. A big time it was. And Mayo were the only team that could actually stay with Dublin in all still, that time. It still is a rivalry, Rory. It's and it like still is. And that's why I'm. That's why t- Saturday, to me, has a feeling of an All-Ireland final about it. That's how excited I am about it. And that's why I'm really looking forward to it. Because I do think Dublin are probably at their weakest that they've been for a while. One, one little caveat that I saw, which I was just shocked at because he's, been arguably my favourite player possibly for the last 20 years is James McCarthy and when I just saw him being dispossessed ahead of the Daniel Flynn goal it just was so un-James McCarthy like and it just I'm saying is that just is the wear and tear is the fatigue starting to just come into their game are they just starting to you know, it's become that little bit war weary from all of the battles he, he, uh, all of he, the, also, he also brushed not only James in that play, uh, Daniel Flynn, he brought the ball to the 20. He brushed another uh, double defender. Who, who was that? Uh, Johnny Jeff? Cooper. Yeah, he, br- he brushed him. Uh, brushed, one... brushed is a very gentle description of what he did. He ran over him. I go back to the Kieran, or the Kieran Whelan debates, as I, the Aidan O'Shea debate. Mm. Um, and it, it, it rages here constantly. Does it? Does it? Uh, yeah, interesting. It, like it's, yeah. it's like, the position that uh, uh, that we were chatting about, you know, 14 or nowhere, I'd be shot probably to if I said that here locally because they see 11 and and but here's the interesting thing, and this is this is where it's quite nuanced. And you see, you see James Horn and management and all all the you see where they're being very clever about things. Um, I don't know if you if you count these sort of things, uh, the the throw in in Gaelic football, obviously two, one at the start, one at half time. And there's usually two or three in a match as well. It's the worst, the worst, the poorer the referee, the more throw-ins. It's a good ref, good ref Saturday. Good ref Saturday. Yeah, well, he he uh, he needs to. He, he didn't have a great Connacht final, um, mm. and I do admire him. I think he's a good referee. His Connacht final from both sides, Galway would be quite annoyed with some of the decisions. But Connor is a good referee. But he is um, good. but to go back to it, uh, Kieran, uh, you might have spotted this as a midfield connoisseur, but um, we, um, O'Shea is. The world champion at winning throw-ins. 
They'd have a massive record everywhere on the pitch on your own 20 meter line further up the field. He goes in, he gets his arse, and he shows the arse. He doesn't jump. Yeah, and he just he, he just yeah. powers you out of the way and he lets the ball fall down into his pouch and he generally gets a free, then he's fouled on the spot. But for they were five points down against Galway in a bad place. Uh, and if memory serves me correct, I haven't, I'm going to try and pull up the video for Sunday if it comes to it. Uh, I was uh, uh, for, for Sunday night because a really fine piece of piece of tactical work. They would always put him in for the throw-in, but the problem is if he wins the throw-in, he's not inside to get that moment yeah. on the first the first big win. So they put him inside this time, and Mayo got some sort of a hand to it. Uh, the ball flicked across to Kevin McLaughlin. And now McLaughlin has a kit dog. Everyone knows it's the type of ball you put in on the, the yeah, angle ball. Yeah, yeah. You, it, it has to hang so you're attacking it. And O'Shea, because he was placed inside and not at the throw-in, he wins it, gives a lovely little dump pass into Matthew Ruan, who's made up the ground from that throw-in, believe it or not. And it's a penalty, and the game turns on its... on its. So here are the small little things that yeah. um, managers and managements are thinking about. But the, the debate here is, but sure, we can't afford not to have them. Yeah. And you know what's really interesting about that, Kevin? And it was something that I noticed, but like, and I know I'm switching codes here, but it was very apparent as well last Sunday. Um, TJ, right? TJ was out around the middle of the field to begin with. And you could hear the Kilkenny crowd. You could actually hear them saying, go in full forward, go in full forward. So TJ goes in full forward and he's in full forward. He's causing a few problems in there. Then he's out. I, I like, the problem that they have with TJ Reid was they were trying to basically, he was trying to do everything and they were trying to play him everywhere. And I just wonder in that scenario, is Aidan O'Shea in a similar scenario, would you think in that, like, are you nearly falling between a couple of stools then you're neither here nor there? That's my argument. You win the ball out the field and if you've been floating him in, out, in, out, I look up, oh, he's not in there this time, so I better not kick it diagonal long. No, I put it through the hands. Five minutes later, I have it and I'm putting it through the hands when he's actually inside. Like, you, yeah. nobody's that good that they, that they have a sense that he's going to be in or out. You have Wheelow, to position him and take a chance on it. You know what? What do you like? Ruan and Loftus have, have struck up a pretty good combination there. Do you trust them to look after McCarthy and Fenton as best they can and put Aidan O'Shea on the edge of the square? And as Kev says, give that bit of that bit of clarity, I suppose, to, to, to the tactics. Yeah, well, like, I think it's interesting, even going back to the throw in, like Mayo lost both of them last year. One of them ended up in the Dublin in the yes. back of the net, mm-hmm. and the second time uh, Dublin were able to hold on to possession and knock a couple of minutes off the clock for the black card. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so there are li- little things that can make a difference, but I think midfield is very it's very interesting because I'm not too like Aidan O'Shea to me. I think he will frighten Dublin more by being in on the edge of the square. Right? He could draw a black card. He could draw a foul. You know. Johnny Cooper could be a bit looser, you know, whoever, whoever does pick him up, whether it's David Bourne or whatever, if he goes in there uh, and he gives them a different dynamic in there. I felt against Galway, while he did get a few brilliant turnovers in, in his terms of his strength and his tackle and his physicality and stuff like that, I thought on the ground, pace-wise, you know, the modern-day midfielder now, he, he, he kind of maybe struggles in that space and Conroy gave him a bit, bit of a, a run around in the first half. So, when you're coming to this game, Mike, and you're thinking, okay, who is your, who is your, who are your primary midfielders on the field of play? Is it Aidan O'Shea anymore? Probably not. Yes, he does offer you something, but I would agree that I would, I think he, he scares Dublin more on the edge of the square. You've got Matthew Ruan, who, you know, kicked one, two the last day. 
who is had probably has even kicked on from last year. I really love watching him. He's brilliant attacking player. He's improved yes. his field and he's developing into a great player. But Mayo want him on the front foot. Um, and so that leaves you then who takes Fenton, you know? So if Fenton powers into the game like he did in the second half last year, you know, have Mayo anybody for that last 15, 20 minutes, you know, to actually match up or it's probably a question for Kevin. Is there a spring or is there something different that Horan could do? Because Jeremy O'Connor picked him up last year. Do you know what I mean? You'll probably generally find you're going to have Howard McCarthy and Howard's a great fielder of the ball as well. The difference he made last year, you're going to have Howard McCarthy and Fenton in that middle sector and you'll have Dermot O'Connor, Loftus uh, and Ruan. And um, it's keeping Fenton quiet, particularly in the second half. Is I think is their challenge. So when lads are a little bit out of gas, and you need somebody to nullify, because if you look, you look closely at Dublin, and you kind of say, well, you know, if we can, if our matchups against the Kenny, Khan, and Fenton, they're the three probably guys that make them tick. Um, so I think they're, that's they're, they're, be, the, they're the three I've circled, exact same three, yeah, and what uh, to do with them. Yeah. So like, I think particularly coming into that last stretch in that middle of the park, who do Mayo? put on or who do they have somebody with a bit gas in the tank to maybe nullify Fenton if Fenton is on his game uh, and I think that's 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 their biggest challenge but I would agree I'd have O'Shea in I think Aidan O'Shea is much more of a threat to Dublin in on the edge of the square um, the, the, ga- the gas thing is you know at the, at the beginning when we were discussing Dublin and I was trying to make a case that their bench has you know is not the bench it was the Dublin bench and I think we're all agreed on that yeah uh, if you look at the, 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 the scoring returns in their three Leinster matches, um, a, a point against uh, <clears throat> against Kildare, no, no, nothing from the subs against me, three points from the subs against Wexford. So, like, that's that's the way it panned out. But if Mayo were to go and, say, play the two, start the two McLaughlins, which is the argument that's down here in the county today as we speak, um, and, and the sense they will, or, well, certainly one of them, now the Mayo bench gets quite reduced. So after trying to convince yourself you have a big plus by the fact that Dublin's bench is reduced, you then look at the Mayo bench, and if these two fellas start, well, the Mayo bench doesn't have a lot of a, a juice in it either. So that, that's the conundrum. They won't find a fella, I don't think, from the bench to take on uh, Fenton in, in the second half. Um, so it is going to have to be somebody like Jeremy O'Connor. And my, my, it's a very hard thing to do, and Kieran, you know this obviously, is to man-mark a midfielder because of the space, you know, the box-to-box nature of it and wing-to-wing nature of the sort of coverage of a midfielder. It's just a difficult man-to-man... Even for 70 minutes, it's not impossible. Kev, crazy suggestion then, if if you're you're like Wheelow and if you're James Horner, you're thinking... Brian Fenton's going to kill us in the last 20 minutes. I have no one on the bench. Do you take a leaf out of Kieran Kingston's book? Sorry to cr- switch codes again. Kieran Kingston got an amazing reaction uh, response from his his bench, not least his son who scored seven points. But if you're thinking more about the Mayo defence, could you do something mad like keep Lee Keegan on the bench and bring him in with a half hour to play and get him to well, see, annoy the hell yeah, out of Fenton? Yeah, if you're in Utopia, you could. But see, the problem is Conor Callaghan and Kieran Kilkenny uh, absolutely demand... Uh, a matchup, a man, a man to man matchup, and you have Oshin Mullen, you have Paddy Durkin, and Lee Keegan. So they're going to have to perm two. Will, will Kev, Kev, will Padraig O'Hora be fit? I think was it two broken yeah, ribs? Fine. No, 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he'd be. I'm sure he'd be. I'm sure he'd be fine anyway. He probably just got the plane out or something, you know. He probably stitched himself back up. Yeah, he probably would. Yeah, yeah. Use it, using rope instead of thread. But he, no, as again, I'm just hearing. He's a Balna lad, Stephen Knight, and he that that he's he's fine. I'd be a tough. Tough, tough, tough as boot nails, I'd say. He'd uh, be the emerging Johnny Cooper of, you know, yeah. it takes a lot to put those warriors down. Um, so, but again, he's hugely inexperienced at this level now. So he'd be just great to be as good as he can be on on Saturday night and hold his own. And you know, it's a it, it's a it's a big atmosphere, a big a big environment for him. But the problem to go back to what you're asking me, Mikey, is. Um, See, they're needed on the field. Mm. Mayo don't have that luxury. I don't think many teams have that luxury. Uh, unless they have a, some young lad that would be willing to sacrifice 25 minutes of just welding himself onto Brian Fenton. But, of course, the question then arises, would he be good enough? You know, because Brian Fenton is going to... It's not just a matter of man marking. You have to deal with his skills and his, his runs and his intelligence and all his experience. It's, so that's... To, to, to sit down on top of O'Callaghan... Kilkenny and Fenton all together all at the one time for 70 minutes is a massive massive task for any football team and I think the best you can hope for is that you drown them out for large tranches of the match but I, yeah. I don't you, you can't sit on them for the whole yeah. it just won't happen is there any is there any rabbits out of the hat from the Dublin selection do you think here on um Dean Rockle's start I presume there's 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 not a question mark there is there no uh it's it's a it's an interesting one, Mikey, as well, because you know last year, you know, one point in it after fifty minutes, and you know you had Mannion and Howard coming in, um, and and I really think that the second half is so important for both teams, and I, I, that's why the team selections I think are going to be intriguing. Um, so you wonder will will Desi pull it pull something out of the fire and hold somebody back? Uh, and and realise maybe he does need more impact coming off the bench. Um, well, he has a free taker already as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, yeah. So whether he holds back Costello, you know, I think it would be extremely harsh because he's he, he's played particularly well. Um, you know, you've got obviously John Small and Merchant have come back into the into the equation. The talk was McDade was maybe going to take <coughs> the direction and try to get back, but I'm not too sure whether whether that's panned out. But they don't have that maybe you know impact lads coming off the bench and that definitely is a weakness you know from from a Dublin perspective there's no doubt about that and that's where like Mayo have done everything so right against Dublin and they can cause them plenty of problems it's just they haven't been able to go the full distance Kevin McMenamin's home from Tokyo today Wheeler <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think he'd be just mentally getting them ready. Uh, <laughs> like, I can't, I can't see him featuring, but he'll, he'll certainly have an influence in the background. But yeah, like to me, it's that last quarter. So Desi might hold back a big impact player um, to to come in. It'd be interesting to see the team selection. You know, does he start Paddy Small? Does he start with Bugler and maybe hold somebody back? Uh, it's 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 hard to know. But and and likewise from a male perspective, like Kevin touched on it. You know, you start the two McLaughlin's. Where does that leave you? Uh, like I definitely think you have to start on with Lockton because uh, like, Owen has to play. Yeah, he's such he's such an athlete, uh, and and he was one of the guys that I think was going strong at the end of the game last year. He didn't have his best final, you know, it was his first final. He turned over a lot of ball, uh, but I think he has he has the engine to go the seventy minutes. So 
Um, it's 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 interesting. Does he will he hold back? I'll give you. A, I'll give you. A, I actually think it'll be the other way around on the McLaughlin's wheel. I think. I think. I think Kevin. Kevin will be the starter. Right. Um, interesting. To, to, because I think Mayo have to stay in the game. They have to stay on. Yeah, the well, they have to be there. They have to. Yeah. Be there. Yeah. And own. Owen is a fantastic engine and you know all the things he's an ex cyclist and all that and so on but his his skill set is not as yeah. it's, it's not where it needs to be just yet it, it's not where it should be for this this level of, of competition uh, so that you know early half early quarter turnovers I think they'll go yeah well, I'll, I'll give you a rabbit out of the hat in, in terms of the the, fin, the Fenton um conundrum there's a lad called Enda Hessian he started a few of the matches yeah. and then Fell back a bit. Um, top, top class lad. Uh, extremely focused young footballer. Uh, very tidy. Um, good, good player. Great engine. Um, he could he could be earmarked for that final 25, 30 minutes. And he'd give, I would have no doubt, would, would he would have the intelligence uh, and the application. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the humility to a certain degree, do you understand that he's not trying to do? He understands his uh, what's the word? I'm looking, the phrase, he, he he understands his his lack of talent, and I'm saying that in a nice way now, and doesn't go beyond it. In other words, he knows the job at hand. I know what James wants from me, and I'm dedicated to doing this. And that's sometimes a great a great lad to have on the bench. The fact that it's not going to overstretch it and try and do things, you know, write checks he can't cash. You, you, like this fellow would be very focused on that tasking. Uh, so there's 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 a rabbit from the hat. I think again, I'm just looking at it now as uh, a makey up manager and and getting excited about what could happen. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating. So look, we'll we'll get to our predictions here. Rory, we'll start with you as the uh, neutral observer. Neutral, neutral, neutral vote. I I I'm look again. I just think it. I'm hoping for an unbelievable contest. We need to make sure the cameras are keeping a close eye on the tunnel at halftime. May or go for three in a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need, to keep, we need to keep a close eye on what's going on down that tunnel. Um, I think it's going to be very, I do actually think it will be tight. I'm just going to give a hesitant nod to Dublin after extra time. I think it'll actually go the distance. I, I'd be hopeful. Right no, I'd, I'd be, I just, uh, look, I'd, like, I'd, I'd be, I think, this particular Mayo team aren't weighed down with the baggage. I think it's a pretty much a new team. I don't think they'll be as um, hung up about some of those harrowing defeats of the of the teenage years. Um, and I think they will they will they'll they'll really go for it. But I just think it's a bit early in their development to maybe turn Dublin over. Dublin have hold probably more of the aces, so I'd give them a hesitant nod. But like I do, I, I do think it is going to be very, very competitive, and um, and uh, just Dublin to edge it after extra time. Okay, Kev. Yeah, I'd um, Rory Rory's going to hesitate nod. I would say deserving nod to Dublin. They are the champion team, and in my view, um, much and all, obviously, as I want, want would want it to be otherwise. Um, the evidence Mayo haven't accrued enough evidence for to say that you can remove the champion team like to, to remove the champion takes takes a lot and they're six-time champions so um yeah. i i go back to that uh, the the line out in the leinster final versus the line out like nothing has changed too much in terms of personnel we were trying to convince ourselves mm-hmm. dublin are on the slide but if you actually look at the fine detail you know we're back to 
yeah, something has changed a little bit. They're not as strong on the bench. That's that's as much as we can grasp, I think. So they're a champion team. Very hard to remove the champion is always my argument. Like you're going to have to be three, four, five better than them, and Mayo are not. So I think um, we we travel not without hope, as I said to you. Um, things would have to fall very nicely, and we'd probably have to break that bloody do that duck of scoring more than one goal in a championship match against Dublin. Uh, and of course, I should have also added we rarely, if ever, keep a clean sheet. So that's double double edged as well. You can see it's not going for you either way. So yeah, I think a deserving nod, but no no sense of surprise, um, Michael, if Mayo were to were, were to were to win it by a point or two. No sense of surprise. You, you do have to survive in Ballina for the next few days. So <laughs> that um, well, I call it the sleep deprivation from the Olympics or my. My just my, my my love of the county, but I'm going to say Mayo are going to are going to do it. So Wheelow, that's nobody, two, one, no, nobody, no, sorry, Mikey, nobody, with maybe the exception of Kerry, nobody from what I can see manages to raise their game to take on the Dubs more than Mayo. Or for me, I, yeah. they absolutely just relish the 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 challenge that Dublin lay down, and I think they will rise to that challenge, but I just don't think it's going to be enough. Sorry, Wheelow. Yeah, well, no, I, listen, I, I agree with you, Roy. I think Mayo have all the components to match Dublin. They'll throw the kitchen sink at them because they have to. They have to stay in the game. They have to try to be ahead. They'll, they'll press the kickouts. They'll turn them over. They, they, they are a team that can match Dublin, and I think Dublin know that. Now, Dublin, to a certain degree, might absorb some of that pressure, and they'll know that's coming. Uh, and But for me, I think it's the last quarter, and it's how Dublin can control and close out the game. Uh, even the psychological challenge of Mayo, they were one point down after 15 minutes last year. Dublin just closed it out. For, they'll need a goal. They'll need a momentum swinger in, in the last 10 minutes, like a Killian Spillane or something, to try and, you know, edge them over the line. Um, and I just, that's that, like, they're due a bit of luck. If you're, if you're really, like, yeah. Yeah. Mayo, thank you. A bit of luck. Uh, but I just think, in terms of the raw components, uh, Dublin's experience and how they can control the tempo of the game, um, I think there might be one more sting left in Dublin. Um, that's that's one more sting. I think that they'll, they'll get over. That's Wheelo predicting a Kerry win in the All Ireland final. You heard it here, folks. If, you know, <laughs> if Kerry get past it, we ever have a final. <laughs> um, okay, look, I I, I think. I, I don't think anybody here is in disagreement. I think we're all really looking forward to it anyway. Um, yeah. Obviously, yeah. it's on uh, RTE2 television. It's on RTE Radio 1. And uh, we'll have coverage of it on the RTE website and the news app. Uh, just one other thing to mention that the latest episode of Marie Crow's We Become Heroes uh, podcast is with uh, Colm the Gooch Cooper. So if you want to know how the Gooch became the Gooch, he's going to tell you. Unfortunately, I think it, it just involved natural born talent and thousands upon thousands of hours of kicking the ball with his weaker what, foot. What, it's easily what was done. It, what was uh, do you remember poor old Martin McHugh? Martin McHugh said he was a two trick pony. Uh, I was on that my dad my dad my dad God rest him text me straight away. Yeah two tricks, goals and points. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a nice interview with Gooch telling us how he became himself. And he's still turning out for the Dr. Croak's thirds team as well. So beware junior footballers of Kerry. Jesus, imagine. Okay, lads, um, we'll be back next week to uh, preview the All-Ireland Hurling final and the other All-Ireland football semi-final. We hope. 
we hope. So thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Willow, and thank you, Thanks, Rory. Lads. And we'll see you all next week. Crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. Oh, and there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses.